This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, July 19th, and today we're going to be breaking down what happened in Game 5 of the NBA Finals as the Bucks pulled off a huge road win over the Suns to take a 3-2 series lead. And we'll be looking ahead to Game 6 in Milwaukee Tuesday night as the Bucks are one win away from the NBA title. That and more, including some recent non-playoff NBA news, is coming up in just a second. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knaus. Ryan, how are you? Hey, Matt. I'm well. I'm wrapping my head around the fact that we still have NBA finals going deep into July and the draft is almost upon us and free agency and trade and it's and Olympics and it's all just kind of merging together uh, into a basketball supernova. So um, it's fun. I mean, it's a great time to enjoy the game. There's there's more than enough to, to watch and talk about. As I actually wrote, down it's monday july 19th just that alone is just so strange to be game six of the nba finals is coming up it's it's july 19th <laughs> i am i'm frankly glad i don't know what this off season is going to i'd feel like it's just gonna be a mess with it with another short off season we think and then the quick yeah. turnaround but i couldn't be happier that basketball season is almost getting us to football season and then almost to basketball season again <laughs> because I mean, I like baseball, but it's not the same. And uh, I need some Atlanta Hawks. I need some NBA regular season back in my life. And we're almost there. <laughs> well, yeah, you're getting it. I'm not sure if the the nitty gritty of this season for next next year has started out. But as usual, I mean, off season in the NBA has almost become a misnomer because there is constantly something going on. And we're going to shoehorn summer league into here. And then before you know it, it's training camps preseason and we're we're right back at it. But hey, Man. for now, we, we have won maybe two more NBA Finals games. And if they're anything like Game 5, they're going to be fantastic. 
It was a great game. I agree. And so let's get into it. Saturday night in Phoenix, it was the Bucks 123, the Suns 119. The Suns came out incredibly fast in this game, led it 32 to 16, then were up 37-21 after the first quarter. The Bucks, though, promptly outscored Phoenix by 19 in the second quarter. 88 of Milwaukee's 123 points came from Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday. Ryan, a lot to hit here. We will hit a lot here. But what's the first thing you feel like you have to talk about when you talk about this game? What stands out? It's tough to only say one thing, but I'll say the the offensive efficiency was just completely off the charts. This is a game in which Phoenix, on their home court, shot 55% from the field, Mm -hmm. uh, 68% from downtown, and 90% from the free throw line with only eight turnovers, Matt, and they lost the game. Yeah. Yeah. Those numbers blow me away. Like I would love to to dig into Stathead and see the last time something like that has happened in the finals. Well, according to Stat Muse, the Suns were the first team in NBA history to lose a playoff game shooting 55% from the field and 60% on threes. So oh, wow. That there had never go. happened. And they shot better than 60% on threes. They shot 68% on threes, as you said. Yeah. Which begs the question, by the way. How do you only get off 19 threes on a night when you're cooking like that? I mean, isn't that one of those nights where you crank up 35 threes and see what happens? I mean, is that the Bucks defense dictating things or, or what's the story there? I think there's something to be said for that. You know, they shot that well because the shots that they were generating and taking were of the wide open variety. And mm-hmm. it's not like they were really struggling in the paint or in the mid-range particularly. I mean, there were stretches where the shots weren't falling to be sure, but... You know what I mean? Like all facets of the game were, were clicking and that balance is, I think, what led to the elite success because most of their three-pointers were of the wide open variety. But yeah, you're right. I mean, on a, they're a team that if you're running that hot three-point shooting, maybe work in a few more. Tough to question the outcome. I mean, they scored 119 points. They just needed to get a couple stops. None more yeah. so than that huge uh, alley-oop down the stretch there. That was absolutely bananas. I mean, the idea that... Holiday would even throw that. That oh, was gutsy. That was so gutsy. I mean, I, so I saw Trey, Trey Young threw a crazy alley-oop like that early in the playoffs. I forget which game it was. I want to say it was against the Sixers. But just, man, I know Giannis is a big target. But that mm-hmm. that was gutsy. Uh, that was tremendous. So And it leads us to Drew Holiday's performance. Because after going 4-for-20 in the Game 4 win, Milwaukee somehow winning on a 4-for-20 Drew Holiday night, he went 12-for-20. In game five, 27 points, 13 dimes. One of them we just mentioned. Three steals, I believe, and that alley-oop immediately followed the play mm-hmm. where he just absolutely took the ball from Devin Booker. When the Bucks were up one, right? And the Bucks had been up three. Phoenix scored, got a stop, and then was coming back down. I mean, you're thinking, if you're Milwaukee, you're basically sick to your stomach at this point because you're thinking... I mean, we're done here, right? Like this game, and, and then just suddenly, Holiday just jumps into the picture, yanks the ball away from Booker, and at that point, you're like, "Okay, now slow it up, slow it up." And then, before you right. can even say "slow it up" twice, he's thrown the oop to Giannis. It's an and one, and just total bedlam, Ryan. Yeah, what do you have? He gained possession with like 10, 10 ticks on the clock, maybe something like that. And for sure, you're used to just seeing him dribble across half court, pull it out, set things up, and wait and wait to get fouled. It might have been like eighteen, something like that. Oh, maybe, yeah. Something like that. But it was fast. Yeah. That all happened real fast. Yeah. And you talk about the trust factor. I mean, you mentioned Giannis being a big target, but just to the trust and the instinct, I mean, you just put the work in, I guess, and, and rely on the results that you've had time and time again in a moment like that. 
But to take that risk is just like that's that was a championship play distilled. I loved that so much. The precision of it, the timing of it, but again, just the decision making to go ahead and and throw that. And what if Giannis doesn't make it and gets fouled? Now you have a guy who who has been bricking free throws down the stretch, all the pressure on yet again. I think he had two huge pressure free throws before that that he botched. So and th- those offensive rebounds we should mention, by the way, were also killer off uh, Giannis's missed free throws. Right. Yeah. So Giannis was four for 11 from the free throw line, and he did get fouled on that oop, as you said. And honestly, arguably could have been a flagrant foul on Chris Paul because a, a super dangerous play yeah, was a guy going, for the ball. going up defenseless and shoved him. But yeah, he clanged that free throw hard off the front rim and then tapped it back to Middleton off the carom. And that was basically it. Even that tap back was super impressive. Like the, he saw yeah. it coming. He he had just the right angle and did like a no look, beautiful little tap back to his teammate. Uh, yeah. Such impressive play. And I don't want to. So Drew Holiday, you know, he's going to stand out for that steal and that, you know, lob to Giannis. Even prior to that, he had a clutch steal and then just a step back three, like these game changing momentum swings. But honestly, all game long, I thought the story was Drew Holiday because he picked up two early fouls. And that's when Phoenix went on their huge run. They took that 16 point first quarter lead because Drew got his second foul with, I think, six minutes uh, into the game had to sit down. And when he came back, I mean, in those non-Giannis minutes, he was a monster. And that's when the Bucs erased the deficit was with Giannis just as a cheerleader on the bench. The Bucs paid Drew Holiday to keep him and they they gave up depth and they gave up other things to acquire him. But man, is he making that look like a brilliant uh, transaction? I thought you you said the story of the night was Drew Holiday. I thought for a while the story of the night was the guy with the $100 bills flashing him every time. There was <laughs> I was not a fan. <laughs> See, I didn't like that. I didn't like that because there was no symbolism to it. It was just a guy wanting to get on TV. That was it. There's no like, it's no one's nickname is involved. There was no deeper meaning. Just yeah. Anyway, we went a little hard on a little hard on showing that guy. Like I I could have stood with. Oh, that was funny. Remember when they showed that guy? Yeah, exactly. He was probably shown like 25 times. It was a little much. I agree. By the way, also Chris Middleton just came up incredibly clutch again. That step back three he hit to go up eight points was just nasty. And he had an and one jumper before that. I mean, it's just incredible how much of Milwaukee's success comes down to, all right, Chris, do your thing. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, he cracks the door open this much to get his shot off and, and more often than not hits these difficult shots. I've just been really impressed with Middleton. I think I was not a skeptic on him, but I didn't totally get it before these playoffs. And man, mm-hmm. the guy has, granted, he's had some total dud playoff games, but lately, more often than not, Middleton has just come up absolutely huge for the Bucks. Yeah, even prior to this, I mean, that there have been Middleton games in the finals where just he is the reason the Bucs won. And I'm with you. I wasn't like a Chris Middleton hater by any means. I yeah. you know, always thought he's a very, very solid player, but I did not see him at this level. Like he, he just yeah. looks so fluid, so automatic, whether he's attacking off the dribble, creating one on one, you know, mid range three pointers, it all like anytime he has the ball, I feel confident. And on a team like the Bucks, I think that's even more important because your superstar is maybe not a guy who you want to just throw the ball with the clock ticking down in a tie game or you're or you're trailing by one. So to have a player like Middleton who can just generate his own offense at a moment's notice is absolutely enormous. I also thought Giannis was, I mean, the numbers speak to it, 32 points, nine rebounds, six assists. But just other than the missed free throws, I thought he was absolutely tremendous in this game. And he shot one three-pointer. He shot one mid-range jumper that he made. 
I can't remember many others. There may have been one other kind of little turnaround thing that he clanged off the back rim and it somehow went in. But the bottom line is he was in attack mode, you know, attacking mm-hmm. the rim. And I also thought just his ball movement was tremendous. I thought he just played a fantastic all-around game, kind of combining the best parts of his game where he does have the ability to, you know, drive and dish, but not being too much of a perimeter player and playing into the Suns' hands. Absolutely. I I said before on the pod, anytime he takes a three-pointer, I think the, the Suns have to be cheering. Like, that was yeah. a successful defensive possession if the result is Giannis launching a three-pointer because he's not he's not a very good three-point shooter, and it takes right. the Bucks out of their game. And one of their best rebounders is now standing outside the three-point arc. Uh, so... Yeah, it's just not a good look. I'm with you. I think he, yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant game all around. And they needed every ounce of it to overcome because as much as, and Drew Holiday said, defense is always our calling card. That's what we're going to lean on. The offense will come and go, but we need to play defense. But man, the Suns lit it up. They just couldn't get enough stops down the stretch. And I'm almost ready to transition to the Suns, but I do have to mention once again, Pat Connaughton, Again, coming up huge for the Bucs. Uh, 14 points, six rebounds, four threes. This is a guy who I think if I was a Bucks fan, and I do have a few good friends who are Bucks fans, I think you have a little bit of a love-hate thing with Connaughton where sometimes you're wondering why this guy's in the game and, oh, Lord, please. Like, he airballed that three against the Hawks in a big moment. I mean, but the last couple, the last few games, Connaughton has just been locked in, and he has absolutely been a massive factor for the Bucks in winning these games. Completely. And he's, I think, has more three-pointers than anybody else in the finals. And crazy, he's got that mentality. Like, he's had some really bad misses, even in the finals. I think both of the past few games, his first shot has been way off the mark. But, you know, <laughs> shooters, shooters mentality, he just keeps, keeps going. Credit his teammates, right? They're setting him up with wide-open three-pointers, and he's mm-hmm. just knocking them down. But what impresses me more, first of all, his rebounding. Like every yep. time this guy is in traffic, he plays so much bigger than he is. It's unbelievable. Like his his nose for the ball, his ability to to work those angles and just go up and, and rip some boards in traffic. Super impressive. Can't credit him enough for that. And then even defensively, the Suns are openly targeting him. They're trying to get him to switch onto Chris Paul or Devin Booker or someone. And he's holding his own, right? I mean, it's not a matchup the Bucks want, but at the same time, he's he's being a pest. He's not forcing teammates to overcommit with a with a double or anything like that. So all all credits to Pat Connaughton, and especially with Dante DiVincenzo out of the mix. DiVincenzo was part of, I think, the Bucks like top five plus minus lineups during the regular season for five man units. So without him, it's a huge hole that's been punched in this roster. And I don't think we give enough credit maybe to Connaughton for for stepping up the way he has in a series. Uh, I mean, Bryn Forbes is a non-factor. Jeff Teague has looked unplayable. And their depth already coming into the postseason was pretty thin. So, uh, yeah, what what Connaughton's doing, I'm glad that you uh, threw a little spotlight on him. Well, and that's a good point about DiVincenzo because we talked about him when he got hurt early on in these playoffs. But it's not a name that we've mentioned much as being a factor. But he he was kind of quietly a real solid piece for the Bucs. And a team that is not crazy deep got quite a bit thinner when he was out. So, yeah. Impressive stuff. It, so let's look at this from the Phoenix side of things. Devin Booker had 40 points on 17 for 33 shooting. Another stat from StatMuse. Booker, back-to-back 40-plus point games in finals losses. That has not happened ever before. It's a little random, but I mean, it kind of gets to the point I want to bring up, which is Devin Booker the last two games. He's averaging 41.5 points, Ryan. 
that's obviously very good. But the part of this that's interesting to me is he has more turnovers than assists. And I think there's an aspect of this where, yeah, Booker's an unbelievable scorer, but he's almost too much in scorer mode. I, I almost feel like you just know it's going up when he's got it. And where am I going with this? I think my point is just, I think the Suns would benefit from Booker just being a playmaker a little bit more than he is. A few more assists from Booker, I think, would do wonders for them because it's just iso ball when Booker has it. And yeah, he's he's awesome at it, but they get a little one-dimensional there. And I think it kind of can take other guys out of the game a bit. And so you know it's going up. You know what I mean? That play, Holiday's able to just rush in because yes. you know he's not giving it up there, you know? So does yep. that make sense to you? No, totally. And what you just said really crystallizes it. The fact that Drew Holiday with the game on the line cheated off of Chris Paul to go double team Devin Booker at an ideal moment, you know, his defensive instincts and all that Booker had his head down. Couldn't see him coming until he turned, but yes. And, and holiday said after the game, we know Devin Booker is an automatic scorer. He's a walking bucket. I had to go in there and get it because he wasn't fearing the pass, right? He was fearing the jump shot or whatever may have come out of that. So you're right. And to bolster your argument, the Suns win games one and two. Booker had six dimes in each of those games. In the three yeah. games since, all losses, he had a combined seven assists. Right, exactly. It's not he doesn't need to be, you know, running the offense all the time. But you right. you need to have that sense that just a different look. Maybe he's going to give it up on this play or or make you pay for that double or whatever. To some extent, we're splitting hairs because he scored. He's averaging forty plus points. Of course, and. I mean, do we want him to score 32 with six dimes? Maybe, you know, it's it gets a little nitpicky, but I, I understand your point. And I think, again, that play with Holiday was kind of the encapsulation of it. Absolutely, we're splitting hairs. But this is also a team that lost shooting, as we said, 55% <laughs> from the field and 60% on right. threes. And with their guy going off for 40 plus the last two games. So something yeah. is a little off, you know, and I would maybe point to that. More turnovers and assists for Booker the last two games so yeah all right well i feel like we've covered game five so as we spin this ahead i mean you know we can mention deandre eight and 20 and 10 a steal and two blocks but i guess we'll do that for steve real quick you know steve would want us to mention that Aiden <laughs> had a steal and two blocks i'm sure that would have been the first thing he brought up we're mentioning it in about minute 18 but anyways as you spin this ahead to game six i didn't think a road game was going to get one in this series Can Phoenix now come back to Milwaukee and return the favor, Ryan? They certainly can. Um, Will they? I don't know. You know, the Bucs have won three straight. I read somewhere on Twitter the Suns didn't lose four games in a row all season long. So if they were to lose this game, it would be the first time all season, and it would come, obviously, at a very inopportune moment for Phoenix. Sure, they've been right in these games. It's not going to take much because when you think about what adjustments can be made and so forth, it's all very minor. It's kind of nuanced, you know, and you'll hear a lot of coach speak and player speak start coming out. We need to execute and pay attention to detail and outwork them and all these things. And honestly, at this stage of the game, that's a lot of what it is, right? Like one night shots might be going down. There aren't a ton of strategic adjustments you can make at game six of an NBA finals when both teams are well aware of what the other is doing. Uh, I don't think you're going to see any real rotation changes, you know, bringing in different personnel. So it's what we saw. We're just going to run it back. And, uh, you know, I, I like the Bucks to come out with the home win. I think they're heavy favorites in Vegas. Uh, the spread is five points. 
you know, it's going to be a good game. I honestly don't know. As a fan, I'm happy to just watch the game and see what happens. But uh, I think, you know, my money's on the Bucks. I guess. I feel like we're destined to go seven here. That's not rooted in any anything other than kind of what you said. The Suns aren't a team prone to losing four in a row. I don't really have any any hard <laughs> hardcore analysis to back that up. I just I feel like Phoenix might get one back, and we're gonna go seven here. I'm happy to hear you say that. I put when the Suns were up two two zero, I put a little wager on Chris Paul to win Finals MVP, and that okay. bet is no longer looking very promising. So uh, I'm I'm rooting for the Suns to win Game Seven, but my my head tells me that it'll be the Bucks. Interesting. I mean, it, I feel like if the Suns <laughs> win the series, also. Now, Booker is probably the front it runner. Could be. Right? I know. This was prior to, to Booker's <laughs> eruption, so I'm in trouble. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The one night when the whole world comes together, the world's biggest show on the world's biggest stage, the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics, Friday night at 7.30 Eastern on NBC. Speaking of the Tokyo Olympics, we will talk USA basketball in just a minute, Ryan, but a few other non-finals notes we want to hit. And let's start with the Golden State Warriors. This is via NBC Sports Bay Area. Steve Kerr had some notable comments, I thought, on James Wiseman, and these were blurbed on NBC Sports Edge recently. Kerr said, quote, he'll have a chance to play more and more if he's ready to help us win games. And if not, that's fine. We'll keep developing him. Kerr also made note of how the Suns have streamlined DeAndre Ayton's game, which I thought was interesting because that's something we've actually talked about on this podcast, how the Suns have kind of simplified things for Ayton to make him a more effective player. And I just wanted to get your perspective on Wiseman fantasy-wise, Ryan, because I was pretty excited about him last year. I got pulled into the excitement of drafting him, especially when he was you know, going outside the top 100 in some of my drafts. He had his moments and he showed those flashes where it's like, oh man, this guy is a future star. I remember a play where I think he, he blocked Mason Plumley on one end and then took it coast to coast for a dunk. Oh yeah. And it was like, man, look at this guy. This is a truly special skill set for a big guy. You know, hitting threes, there were flashes of just a really exciting all-around game. But I guess I'm now a little hesitant hearing these comments and just he was not really a playable guy in fantasy last year. I'm a little worried it's going to be a slower road than I want it to be. And even year two might be a year too early on Weissman. Where, where do you land on this one? 
Yeah, so I'm assuming that highlight play of of his steel and open court dribbling prowess and, and dunk and so forth wasn't followed by a supercut of him getting absolutely decimated defensively, possession <laughs> after possession after possession. Correct. Uh, and it probably didn't didn't uh, also include the fact that he shot what was it, thirty two percent from the field outside of the restricted area. Now he was extremely Ouch. effective in the restricted area at seventy five percent, eleven percent above the league average. But man, he just couldn't hit shots outside of literally right at the rim. So offensively, he was at a deficit. Uh, and then also offensively, other things like Kevon Looney sets much better screens, right? So the Warriors didn't hesitate. They, they switched Kevon Looney into the starting lineup because all the metrics and analytics told them that was a better lineup. And it was. Um, Looney led the Warriors in assist to turnover ratio last year. Wiseman was dead last on the team. The Warriors had a team best net rating of plus six with Looney on the court. Wiseman was minus 8.8, better only than Alan Smelajic. I'm pronouncing that wrong. (laughs) And Nico Mannion. Uh, Point being, you know, the the holes in Wiseman's game were impossible to ignore, and the Warriors were willing to bench him, play him limited minutes, and develop him, even in a season when they didn't realistically have championship aspirations. Now with Klay Thompson coming back, you know, their eye is on the prize again. They're not going to let Wiseman play through massive lapses defensively, especially if he's not being a net uh, positive contributor on offense. So there are huge red flags for me. And he didn't even block per 36 minutes last year. He didn't get to two blocks per game. Uh, I think he was just a shade under 10 boards per game per 36 minutes. These are all red flags because I would like to see at least, okay, if he gets the minutes, he has the potential to be a fantasy monster. Well, we've yet to see that. Now, I mean, in his defense, what he was a 19-year-old who barely played in college in the middle of a pandemic where, you know, it's just a totally different and not an ideal setup for a young player. Very challenging. So the flashes that he did show, I do think, forecast some exciting long-term potential. But I, I guess I'm tapping sure. the brakes on Wiseman's a huge breakout candidate this season. As of now, I'm approaching that one with caution. The only thing that I'm totally with you, the only thing that would change my mind on that is if the Warriors are, you know, there's been rumors that they might try to package the number seven pick and or number 14 pick with Wiseman to get another established superstar and make a legitimate shot at a championship. Uh, ESPN's John Hollinger threw out Pascal Siakam as a potential name. I haven't heard more about that from anyone else. But a trade like that, so if Wiseman's scenery changes and he goes to a team that is just going to feed him minutes and develop him, then, you know, his stock would rise. But Yeah, interesting. Well, just a couple other topics we want to hit. This one is via Mark J. Spears. Damian Lillard denying your report that he will, will request a trade from the Blazers, saying, quote, it's not true. A lot of things are being said they are not coming from me. Ryan, have you been riding this Damian Lillard roller coaster recently and and thinking about Lillard not in a Blazers uniform this upcoming season? Or is this the kind of thing where you're kind of expecting this turbulence to settle down and Lillard will stay in Portland and all will be fine? And he's, you know, nothing is really going to change. I don't really have any expectations one way or the other. It's very hard to envision him in a, a different jersey. I just see Lillard in that Rip City jersey. Yeah. It feels right. Right. I can picture someone like superimposing a Lakers jersey on him or something silly, but I don't like it. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's understandable that he would take this stance, right? I mean, he's basically saying, I'm 
I'm doing everything I can. This roster just isn't built to win a championship. And he had quotes even prior to him refuting those trade rumors where he said uh, to Yahoo's Chris Haynes, everybody in this organization has to look in the mirror because we're constantly coming up short. I'm not getting any younger. We're not Mm -hmm. losing by a lot, but we were eliminated by a shorthanded Denver team I felt we should have beat, and I walked away very disappointed. And this is, I mean, this is year after year after year. He keeps hitting this wall, and he just feels like there's, it's beyond his control as a player to do anything about it. So he either needs, and the team owner may sell this offseason, so there's huge uncertainty there. He basically needs ownership to go all in, pay, bring in another superstar. I mean, he doesn't right. want them to shuffle deck chairs and sign. You know, they, they tried to improve the defense last year. They brought in Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. Those aren't the types of, of moves that are going to keep Dame in Portland and keep him happy, obviously. Uh, he needs a superstar. I don't know that Portland can get him one. So yeah, there's a very real chance that Portland decides, hey, we've reached the end of this road. Terry Stotts was our coach for, what was it, do you know, nine years, something like that, a long time. So it's kind of the end of an era already, especially if ownership sells. It's like, here's this, you know, blank slate for the franchise. What do we do? Well, maybe it's time to trade your superstar while he's in his prime with multiple years left on his contract. So teams would be willing to give up a ton to get him knowing that there's long-term security. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky situation. It's funny. You, you mentioned those comments from Lillard and it's like, yeah, I can't really disagree with any of that. (laughs) You know, sure. He doesn't sound like a disgruntled, unreasonable guy there. It's like, yeah, you're right. You know, (laughs) I get, I get why you're frustrated. You're not being immature. You're not being unreasonable. You aren't getting any younger. And no one yeah. would question this guy's like heart or effort or or want to win. And yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, that that's a good point. It doesn't feel like the diva e trade me no. exactly where I want sort of demands of other superstars. It's just a, a competitor who wants to win a championship. Yeah. He's he's yeah. got his got his money, he wants a ring. That's all there is to it. Exactly. All right, well, quickly, we were talking about what USA basketball should do. This is on Friday's episode with Bradley Beal out of the Tokyo games. We were hypothetically discussing the merits of, oh, how, how fantastic would it be if they, they called up Trey Young, you know, who had tweeted that Isaiah Thomas meme and clearly wants in. This guy desperately wants to play in the Olympics, would clearly help its team that needs another playmaker. So Kevin Love also out for the Olympics. And then right after we recorded, the U.S. team goes and adds JaVale McGee and Keldon Johnson. <laughs> I was just, just as we all suspected. Steve and Raf and I were just texting each other in in total disbelief at those two additions, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, nothing against either of those guys, but what is going on? I don't know. Now, JaVale McGee apparently has been part of the Team USA program for over a decade. So yeah. this felt like a sort of legacy move. And they did need some size. Sure. There might be some matchups where he helps them. And yet they're coming off an exhibition where they played Spain, who had Marcus Gasol, Pau Gasol, and Willie Hernan Gomez in the lineup. They played a combined 49 minutes, which means at some point they were overlapping. I missed those minutes. Yeah. Uh, and JaVale McGee did not play. So, so I don't know that he'll actually be part of the lineup. As opposed to Keldon Johnson, who came in and maybe out of the lineup once Chris Middleton and and those guys from the finals are are worked into the mix. But right. Johnson looked brilliant against Spain, uh, took over the third quarter with 10 points, 5 of 5 shooting. And I, I think the edge for him, first of all, he was on that the Team USA select team. So he was already kind of familiar with the program. And Jerry Colangelo mentioned the fact that his familiarity with Pop was right. a selling point. 
that he knew he knows what pop wants and pop has preached simplicity he's like guys this is not the nba it's a different game it's played differently and you're going up against teams that have played together for a decade plus i just mentioned that spanish roster you look at it it's like yeah this is the same team that that was fielded two olympics ago um (laughs) so they have this cohesion that team usa just can't match right and so bringing in a glue guy like kelton johnson who's not going to demand usage he's just going to you know, move off ball. That's how he scored uh, against Spain. He's just constantly moving, playing with energy, getting into guys defensively. They just needed a kind of glue guy. Um, you mentioned the need for playmakers, but I mean, you know, they already have Lillard and Durant and all, all these other guys. And then Devin Booker is going to come in Andrew Holiday. So I think Johnson was a good fit. Javale McGee, a bit of a head scratcher. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You made a reasonably compelling Keldon Johnson case and it helps. I that he did. It's not easy, honestly, but that was my best shot. <laughs> it helps that he just had a good game. I mean, it's harder to criticize. I, it was just it was just a very bizarre, surreal moment when yes. we saw those names cross the wire. But <laughs> for whatever. Sure. OK, quickly, do you have do you still have qualms about Team USA, given that they lost to Nigeria and I think Australia to begin the exhibition season? Or do you think that they've put that behind them and are once again kind of rolling i mean i still have some hesitation going all in saying they're going to win but i still look at a team that like you said has even if you just told me this team was damian lillard and kevin durant and like a bunch of other guys (laughs) i'd be like well they should win the gold you know i mean if they can just get organized and if they can just get organized and maybe it is the simplicity isn't it don't overthink it they still have the most talented roster you know what i mean you still have incredible mvp caliber players on your team you have arguably you have the best scorer in the world on your team you should still win the gold medal so i would still if i were wagering money bet on you the u.s to win the gold yeah same here i like it better than your son than your chris paul finals mvp bet that's for sure Okay. Okay. Maybe we'll we'll have to off mic a little side bet going, Matt. Okay. Sounds good. I, by the way, I got to get you that Lou Dort jersey. We still got to make that happen. But uh, we did some jersey buying the other day. Oh yes. All okay. right. Well, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. Just a programming note: our NBA draft preview show is this Wednesday, July twenty first at eight p.m. Eastern. So look out for that. We'll be back here on Friday. Thanks everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Ryan, thanks to you. We'll talk. To you soon. Thanks, Matt. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.